Welcome to the PaxX Podcast, now available on iTunes. This is episode three of the show where we talk about everything to do with the passenger experience. I'm Mary Kirby, and I'm joined by my co-host, Max Flight. Max, how are you doing? I'm great, Mary. Uh, well, at least better than the airlines who are today looking at thousands uh, of flight cancellations and delays due to the winter weather here in the U.S. I know, I know. I was, I was kind of monitoring it last night and uh, just stunning. And these poor passengers waiting sometimes hours on the tarmac uh, in these uh, New York airports. It's, uh, you wouldn't wish that on anybody, really, would you, Max? No, certainly not. Very challenging. Very challenging. Well, we've got an exciting episode today. Um, but before we get started, um, I'd like to thank Lufthansa Systems for sponsoring this podcast. Lufthansa Systems Board Connect Wireless In-Flight Entertainment Solution provides passengers with access to hundreds of hours of movies, TV shows, and music, all available on their own personal electronic devices. Virgin Australia, Lufthansa, and LL have already started rolling out Board Connect or will begin doing so here this year. Opening new ways for community communication and interaction between an airline and its passengers, this technology will have a tremendous impact on the overall travel experience. And on a personal note, I had the opportunity to use Board Connect while on board a Condor Airlines Boeing 767 and can report that I was able to effortlessly stream movies to a personal electronic device. So thank you so much, Lufthansa Systems. Now it's my great pleasure to introduce our guest today, Cynthia Drescher. Cynthia is the managing editor of Condonast's hugely popular travel news and reviews site jaunted.com and she is truly a world traveler cynthia thanks so much for joining us how are you doing i'm excellent mary i'm also a bit snowed in thankfully not in new york city (laughs) i was able to visit a propeller factory yesterday deep in ohio and it's a pleasure to speak with you and max today Oh, fantastic! I saw some of your uh, some of your posts and your video, and it, you know it's amazing. These are some things that you don't often think about, but the complexity of of, of building a propeller—just um, amazing stuff. Exactly, and you're talking about traditional propellers, but then I also visited the composite factory Ooh. where we're making the next generation. So for decades and decades to come, you can already have a look at what's being made for that. Ooh, are you writing a post for John to then about this? I am. I'm working on it. You know. <laughs> Cynthia, you were at Hartzell Propellers, correct? Yes, correct. In Piqua, Ohio. Yeah. Now, I understand that the Red Bull Air Races is going to be using Hartzell Propellers. Uh, the Air Races returned for 2014, which is great. And I understand that the propeller they use for those racers is called the Claw. Which yeah, I got my claws on it yesterday. Great. <laughs> All right, well, let's take a look at some of the top passenger experience news stories making headlines. We can start off with the American Airlines merger with U.S. Airways. Now, they've created the largest air carrier in the world, and the jaunted 2013 Airline of the Year was chosen as the new uh, American Airlines. Uh, Cynthia, can you tell us a little bit about what drove jaunted to select American Airlines? Absolutely. Well, In general, has there been as much talk about any other airline in 2013? Right. Yeah, good point. The huge driver behind the decision, however, is that American not only dominated the headlines throughout the year, but all those headlines were gasp positive. Ah. I mean, they introduced two new aircraft types, the 777-300ER and the A321. They went through the whole new American rebranding, 
new seats, including my personal favorite, an introduction in their new business class of the Cathay Pacific style Zodiac Sigma Cirrus reverse herring Yes, and that's a fantastic seat that has been adopted by international carriers all over the world. That's the James Park Associates design, right, Cynthia? Right. And, um, you know, what's so amazing, of course, is that they, uh, is that they're doing this on a transcon flight on an A321. Stunning pictures, by the way, on Jaunted of this, uh, of this aircraft. I was just, uh, looking at them just now. Thank you. Yeah, it's going to be their first class seat in the A321 for the transcon service, but you can get it on their international long haul on the 777-300ER in business class. And of course, they've also done some really other interesting things um, with respect to check-in, um, which Jaunted has also covered. Um, do you know where that stands with respect to letting passengers who ha- have lighter loads to, to board uh, sooner? Yeah, I've actually experienced it myself at uh, JFK several times now. So yeah, I mean, aside from the aircraft improvements, they've been revamping their whole airport all of the facilities, they are doing the DIY bag tagging at certain airports. They've introduced the flagship first-class check-in lanes. And specifically, the new boarding order is something I'm very excited about. So the idea is that when you're at the gate and everybody's, you know, all ganging up on the gate agents trying to get on the plane, what <sighs> they'll do is they'll go through their usual loyalty rundown of, you know, boarding the Platinum and the Executive Platinums and all of that. And then before they start the economy row boarding, they'll welcome guests who are not traveling with any rollerboard carry-ons. So if you just have your laptop bag or your little purse, you can go ahead and get right on because they're speeding up the entire boarding process. So if I've actually checked my bag and I'm, you know, making an onward international connection and I just have my purse, can go right on. I already feel kind of like an elite when, when that happens. You know, this sounds very much like how I fly because I, I actually usually check a bag simply because I wear contacts. I need contact solution and perfume. I just don't want to carry all the little things. So I normally check. So I love this idea. What do you think, Max? Well, there's a lot of different boarding procedures across the different airlines. I think there are different ideas. Do we think that this American process is sort of the best of the best? I would say so currently. Yeah. yeah. I love the fact that it's creative. It's making an effort to try and find a better solution, which I think, you know, it kind of feeds into some of the reasoning behind uh, this 2013 Carrier of the Year Award, uh, Cynthia. It's just the idea that they're willing to think outside the box, a traditional legacy carrier. I'm now personally hoping, as a U.S. Airways uh, yeah, frequent flyer, that we're <laughs> going to start seeing some some lovely consistency now across the uh, the, the fleet and, and that they start working on, on uh, bringing some of those great elements that American over to U.S. Airways uh, fleet, including, uh, obviously, in flight... Uh, and the passenger experience. But one item that has been uh, receiving a lot of attention is, of course, the tail. Max, have uh, you followed this? <laughs> I love the tail. I've, I've loved the tail from the very start. I know people have mixed feelings about that. Some like it, some don't. But I thought it was sort of brilliant on the part of American to have the employees uh, vote and have their say in what was going to be uh, the tail going forward. Don't you think that was kind of clever? 
Oh, I think it was it was really, really smart. I think Doug Parker made a wise decision there and put it in their hands. I also uh, was uh, someone who has, from the very beginning, loved this new flag tale. And I, it's one of those things where you can be like, you know, I liked country before country was cool. I liked this flag tale before the flag tale was cool. How about you, Cynthia? What did you think of it? Well, I'll tell you a little story, actually. I was on the sitting on the fence when it first debuted, but then I flew to Incheon Airport when they opened the new route from Dallas-Fort Worth. And I was in Seoul for about 14 days and I was ready to go home and I was at the airport and I saw the new American plane pull up that I was about to board and it had the new tail and I experienced this little shot of patriotism that I never get. I never get that. I never got it from the old livery. And so I knew then that I was on team new tail. Team New Tail. Fantastic. Well, I think, uh, I, I think this mu- surely must be a first where three Av geeks all agreeing on the tail because there's been so much. Yeah. No, I mean, I can understand the feeling of, among some, that the, you know, the old logo has such, you know, historic, uh, significance and, and meaning and, and all that. But, you know, if you're trying to start, something new if you're trying to take american and u.s airways and put them together and create something new you you really need a new look i mean that that kind of announces the fact that you're different and and so i'm i think it's important that the that the logo was changed that the livery was changed i do too so props to american all around then right now looking forward to uh what the future holds for this mega carrier I keep telling people it's like it's like I can't believe it's not butter. You won't believe this is American Airlines. <laughs> Yay! <sighs> All right, next let's look at the world of in-flight entertainment. Mary, you know in the past I've spoken for wireless IFE and oh, yes. you you usually beaten me down on that because you <laughs> you seem to think that in-seat IFE has become uh, such a major comfort factor on long-haul flights. So, how is that? Well, so I think there's a real misconception out there. And in fact, I was just reading a piece yesterday on Airline Reporter about Southwest Airlines' brilliant uh, in-flight connectivity um, and in uh, wireless IFE solution. And there's a misconception that there's some sort of war between embedded IFE and wireless entertainment and connectivity. Um, there really is not. There, there is not a war. Um, what's happening is that passengers want to be able to do in the air what they're accustomed to doing on the ground, right? Sure. So we're already starting to see double screening in flight whereby somebody might be watching a movie on the seat back screen and then using their personal electronic device to connect or to get other content. That's what's happening. So there's not really any kind of war. Um, there's, uh, you know, I've had conversations with the airframers and, and just very, very recently with Airbus where they said, listen, virtually all long haul aircraft are ordered with embedded IFE. There's very good reason for that. You're on a flight for a very long time. Uh, you're in these super cramped uh, seats if you're in if you're in economy class, uh, increasingly, you know, a standard of about 31 inch seat pitch. Um, so you have to, you know, provide some level of entertainment and distraction to these passengers, and and it, there's still quite a need for it. So I, I don't think there's, uh, you know, there's any kind of war. Everyone can happily coexist. Now there are aircraft out there where it doesn't make sense to bring embedded IFE, and that's where wireless IFE will really make its mark. And there's a ton of those aircraft, um, and Southwest Airlines is obviously showing that you know it doesn't need to offer an embedded solution. 
uh, to satiate its passengers. But I think but what we're seeing uh, with uh, some of these major carriers, and particularly these transcon routes here in the United States, on those narrow bodies, they have to have embedded IFE. Um, Cynthia, you guys obviously look pretty closely at this uh, yourselves. What do you think? Well, actually, I love this term of double screening, but <laughs> I'm a big triple screener. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, for example, there's, you know, the longest flight in the world, Singapore 21 and 22, that just was discontinued. Well, I had a chance to fly it several months before it ended. And on board there, I was triple screening. And what they had on that was in-flight Wi-Fi, the on-air in-flight Wi-Fi. Yeah. And so up on the screen in front of me, I had the moving map or a movie because it's mm-hmm. a 19-hour flight. Oh. And then on my laptop, I was working. And then on my phone, I had connected to the in-flight Wi-Fi, and I was sharing photos and keeping up with social media with social media the entire way through. So like, oh, look at my view above the Aleutian <laughs> Islands. And I'm having to <laughs> dim sum breakfast over Ontario. But you know what? I'm also watching a movie, and I'm also getting work done. And it's just, ah, uh, it's incredible what we can do today on uh. the airplane, over the North Pole, en route. You're a girl after my own heart, Cynthia, I got to say. Max, what do you think this about is, this? This is massive multitasking. Boy, you know, you, you youngsters are, are really into this sort of thing, aren't you? Well, you know, and it goes back to what, what we said before, that that's the experience that we're all used to at home and right. at work. And that's the experience we want to see on the, uh, on the airplane as well. And of course, you know, a perfect example, and we had this discussion on Twitter, Cynthia, last night, uh, where these poor passengers that were waiting for hours on the tarmac at JFK, um, you know, you know, and you pointed out, Cynthia, that this is why gate to gate IFE is so important. If you're landing at JFK and being told you've got a two or three hour wait, you better hope that you've got a nice lineup of content on that IFE system to help keep passengers, uh, you know, content for those few more hours. There's so many uh, kind of uses for IFE. Not only distracting from kind of our, our tight seat situation, but also really kind of coming to the rescue when we're, we're stranded for a couple hours on the tarmac. Um, and, and, you know, what do you think, Cynthia? Do you think that this is kind of yet another reason for embedded, particularly on the long haul? Exactly. But even outside of long haul, if you just look at short, medium haul flights, any flights, if you're thinking about these congested airports, take, for example, JFK. Mm-hmm. I have been stuck before the flight, you know, just with the tarmac delay. Luckily, most of the time it's been on JetBlue where they have their satellite TV gate to gate. So I'm just sitting there and I'm catching up on, you know, the trashy shows on MTV or something. But in terms of the long haul Wi-Fi, you're talking about an Air France A380 that just landed and they've got a three hour wait to get to a gate. What are they going to do? They're ready to go home. They're ready to sleep. But if you can throw on another movie at least you're going to take away some of the rilings of mutiny. Oh, I I agree completely. <laughs> and, you know, one of the things that, you know, that we should mention is that Hollywood studios continue to disallow the uh, streaming of early window movie content to passengers' own devices. And that really is also playing a role in keeping embedded solutions in place for now. Will there come a time where we'll ultimately have a totally wireless cabin? I think that, yeah, uh, you know, there's there's some things that need to happen, uh, but we're, we're headed in that direction. The 
the fact that Boeing and Samsung, Samsung are working together on what would ultimately be, if they can work it out, a kind of a plug-and-play reality in flight, it, it speaks volumes about where we're headed down the road. Uh, but right now, uh, those those you know screens are are bringing those blockbuster movies you know that are just hit, you know out of the theater right into uh, your your screen in flight, and and it's still appreciated by passengers. Max, do you do you watch movies in flight? Do you do you care about the IFE or do you like your own content? I generally prefer my own content. That and sleeping. I love to sleep on airplanes. <laughs> How do you manage that? How do you sleep? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's it's very easy. After you uh, do all the traveling that I've done internationally, I don't know, you, you kind of develop the knack for it. But, you know, the other aspect of this is, is, is it a revenue stream for the airlines? All of this connectivity, all of this IFE, airlines, I'm sure, would prefer to treat it as a source of revenue and charge. But do you think it's going to remain that way? I mean, hotels originally, in the early days, would always charge for uh, internet connectivity, and and now you kind of expect it as part of the the package. You think we're going to see the same thing in the airlines? Yeah, well, they're definitely trying to monetize it, and some of these airlines are going to be doing some fairly creative solutions with their retail programming and the in-flight entertainment. So, you know, interesting geo entertainment, um, taking that moving map and putting it on steroids, essentially, connecting the IFE, connecting that moving map so that a passenger can, you know, you know, see where they're going and, and swipe their card, you know, uh, over various different waypoints po- of interest. And so, yeah, they're really trying to monetize the IFE. I think we're going to start seeing some really exciting things. Carriers like Norwegian uh, on its 787, its, it's IFE is poised to be able to do all of this stuff mm. that just needs to be able to fly the aircraft. <laughs> <laughs> But um, but yeah, so yeah, it's it's coming. Uh, monetizing IFE, it's happening. It's it's slower than pass than airlines rather would like, but it, it is coming. But no, there is definitely an expectation that a certain level of entertainment and connectivity is now going to be available to passengers. You know, as Emirates uh, Patrick Brownlee says, it's uh, connectivity itself alone is like air. There's just this expectation now of mm. it. So yeah, we want it all, aren't we? Greedy. We sure are. <laughs> all right. Well, let's talk about social media a little bit. We know social media has had a huge impact on, well, almost everything that we do, but that includes our travel preferences. I mean, we we see our friends who are traveling and they tweet their adventures, uh, post YouTube videos, uh, keep a thread going on Facebook, all of these things. It's it's a way that you can find out about the travel experiences of, of others. Now, Cynthia, do you think that this is affecting the way people spend their money on travel? Absolutely. The I look at it this way. The ability to share an experience, such as a travel experience, is now an integral piece of value for money. So when you're when you're talking about, okay, I want to upgrade to business class, or for example, I was on, this is not an aircraft, but I was on the Hiram Bingham Orient Express train in Peru. And I watched as a younger couple took in, you know, took photos of everything. And they were talking about how they were positioning for Instagram specifically and how they were going to broadcast these photos onto their Facebook. And I got the impression that probably half of the decision to upgrade to that premium train was because they knew that they could share those photos on social media. Wow. That it would be a better experience for their followers to see pictures of that train versus the backpacker train, for example. So if you translate that for business class, first class travel, 
everyone is thinking about not so much the simple sharing of a photo or thought, but how they can own a moment. And there's the burgeoning awareness of how social media is working to shape first impressions of people, places, companies, and even your personal brand. So what people are doing now and what they'll be doing more in the future is factoring social media into their travel choices and perhaps upgrading with the with the goal of being able to share a better experience with their followers. Cynthia, you uh, probably have one of the more exciting Facebook threads of the people I know, traveling literally all over the world to destinations that many of us could only ever hope for. But I have to say that I find myself often living vicariously through your posts. You post such stunning images. And, uh, you know, you just, uh, uh, even as someone who travels quite regularly for business, I find myself on a lot of those kind of trunk routes. I'm going to Germany, I'm going to London, I'm going to Paris. But, um, you know, you're going down into the, you know, South America and going into some really interesting areas that that most of us in our lifetime might not ever get to go. But now I'm kind of keeping a little list of places I want to go when I finally get time to do that. And I and I really think that travel spend is going to be impacted. How about you, Max? Are you paying attention to what's going on? You know, it's interesting that you mentioned making a list because within the last month, I literally did exactly the same thing. I, I, yeah. I went to my little you know list app. Uh, on my iPhone, and I started. A, these are the destinations I want to I want to visit in the coming years, and it's I mean it's fascinating. You know, if you're trying to create or, or leverage the passenger experience, if you're an airline, how do you react to this this kind of reality? I mean, it seems like one way is that you want to make it as easy as possible for people to capture these kinds of things, this kind of content that they can uh, put in the, in, the, in the social media. But I mean, what else, what else should you be doing if you're an airline to, to kind of leverage the situation? You know what? I, I know that uh, airlines are paying a lot closer attention. So are the hotels. So whenever, you know, one checks in on Foursquare or where on whatever app, um, increasingly we're starting to, you know, receive a response from the airlines. And you can get to a point where you start tailoring your products uh, for passengers and start leveraging your partnerships with your hotels and restaurants, et cetera, to be able to give passengers what they want, where they're at. Cynthia, what do you think about the, the ability for airlines to start taking social media to the next level and really exploit it in this way well they're absolutely listening i can tell you that yeah. <laughs> and there's even a spot if you sign in if you have a delta sky miles account you can add your twitter handle in there and i don't know what they're doing with that but that's just one example of how they can listen if you let them and actually have you heard this story about the JetBlue passenger who now vows that he'll never fly any other airline because of a special thing that JetBlue did for him no he just had this casual conversation with JetBlue on Twitter he wasn't on one of their planes or at the airport or anything and he was just talking to the JetBlue Twitter about how he really enjoys that baseball players walk out to theme songs and why can't he walk onto a plane with his own theme song so the next time he flew JetBlue, they made it happen. <laughs> he walked oh, onto the plane to a Hulk Hogan's theme song. And, you know, now he's like an evangelist for the brand. 
Yeah, no, that's, and that's, you know, that's what is so essential is becoming that evangelist. And of course, JetBlue has been on the forefront of this for, for years. They were early adopters of social media and, uh, it makes sense that they're now getting really, really creative. Um, it also does wonders for promoting, uh, promoting the brand without paying a lot on advertising because a lot of people now are writing about these things. We saw with the, over the holidays, the WestJet. Uh, decision to to provide uh, gifts to all of these passengers on the other end of their flight that was pretty impressive it was massive they couldn't have bought that much publicity and much that much goodwill <laughs> if they had wanted to absolutely i think that video has just gone truly viral you know i mean just sure. many millions now have have watched it and so many people were posting it on facebook so certainly huge opportunities uh, for airlines to to better uh, exploit uh, social media. Um, although, that being said, and there was a recent article, I think it was just last week, where uh, somebody is suggesting airlines should jump off of social media altogether because so many passengers also use it, of course, to <laughs> voice their complaints. Did, did you guys see this article? I, I did. Sent, oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know, you don't realize just how foul-mouthed some people are. I can't believe it because if, you, if you're, you know, well, this is on a tangent, but imagine you're going for a job application and they Google you and the first thing that uh, they find is that you've tweeted, you know, to an airline, F you. I mean, that that's <laughs> your social media footprint is there, people. Be that's careful. It. And it's there but forever. It's there for it is there forever, you know. So, you know, a tweet is there. Um, but but beyond all of that, um, you know, this this author was suggesting that airlines should just give up on social media. <laughs> what do you think about that? I just think they should, airlines should just kill it with kindness. Kill them with kindness. Just thank oh, you for yeah. flying. You know, thank you for <laughs> flying us. Don't address it unless it is an issue that does need to be, you know, that is quite serious. But if it's just a complaint, just reach out. You know, American, JetBlue, several other airlines, they kind of have a policy to reply to every single tweet. Well, it gets difficult if you're constantly being put down. Right. Right. Uh, that could be kind of a soul-destroying experience to be on the other end of that. <laughs> on the other hand, on the other hand, if you're the airline, you've already got their money, they're flying you. So just thank them for that. Right. Right. It makes sense. Another aspect of this is that all that content out there that, that lives forever, that represents data mining opportunities, I think, for the airlines. Oh. You know, you can – what you really want to do is learn as much about your customers as you can. And in, in many uh, industries, in many cases, it's, that's a difficult thing to do. With social media, your, your customers are providing all of that kind of feedback for free. And all you have to do is go out there and look at it and – analyze it, data mine it. And I think you can learn a lot of things about how you can improve the passenger experience or what works, what doesn't work, what opportunities there are, things like that. That's a very good point. You start drilling down into that data and, uh, you know, <laughs> you could uh, also see just uh, how many expletives people are able to fit into these. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, it was sh okay, shocking stuff. But in any case, um, well, we're rapidly coming to a close, but I want to thank our listeners. And, of course, you can uh, find us online at www.runwaygirlnetwork.com and, of course, on iTunes or the PaxX podcast. Uh, be sure to follow all the Runway Girl Network activity on Twitter. Twitter at at 
Runway Girl. And remember to use the PaxX hashtag when tweeting about the passenger experience and join us in the conversation. And that's whether or not you're having your own personal passenger experience or if you see something that's really interesting that you think is going to affect uh, our industry and how we fly. Um, it would be fantastic if you would join us there. I'd like to reiterate our thanks to our sponsor, Lufthansa Systems. And I'd like to thank Cynthia Drescher for being our guest. Cynthia, this has been fantastic. Please tell me that you're going to come back and join us again. Absolutely, Mary. Thank Yay. you. Yay. You're like a wealth of information. I just want to dive into your brain, right? Your Paxex brain right now. Where can, where can listeners find you at? Well, you can find me on my personal accounts, which are at JetSetCD on Twitter and Instagram. Or you can follow our official features, photo galleries, news reports at www.jaunted.com. That's J-A-U-N-T-E-D. And we're also at Jaunted on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, of course. How long have you guys been around just very quickly, Jaunted? It's been several years now, right? Yeah, I think it's been about seven years in total, but I've been the editor for going on five. Oh, wow. Well, you're doing a fantastic job. Fantastic. All right. Very good. So join us again next week as we talk about the passenger experience on the PaxX Podcast. 